0: Hi, I'm Kay Sellers. And I'm Mark Jones. And this is the In It Together podcast. No matter what level of experience you have in real estate, navigating the ever-changing real estate market can be tricky. Each week, my co-host Mark and I will bring you valuable tips, tricks, and trade secrets from our favorite industry experts, colleagues, and friends. Sit back and relax because we're about to get started, but most of all, I hope you realize that no matter how complicated the real estate industry can be, you're gonna walk away knowing we're in it together.
1: welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, Case and I are going to be discussing seller motivation strategies and conversations now that we have increased interest rates. So Case, let's talk about this. Um, Having a conversation with a seller is a different thing right now than it was six months ago.
0: Very, very, very different. I mean, we're continuing to see a lack of inventory in the market and a lot of sellers who they are saying that they're afraid to sell because, you know, maybe they have a really low interest rate from a couple of years ago, but now they're afraid of climbing into a higher interest rate into a, you know, a more expensive home. So having that conversation for real estate agents is a little bit unique because we we really haven't had to worry about that, you know, the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. We have just really been order takers for uh, probably almost, three years now since the start of COVID. So I th- now we're having to get back to being consultants, right? And actually helping people decide if it's a good time for them to sell it or not, and helping them make that decision. And I, I think I've, a lot of what we have to do right now is help make sure that sellers' emotional uh, reaction to the market uh, is kind of put aside and at a logical business approach to the market is, is forefront. And then they can make a clear decision with all of the relevant information. But uh, we, have, we just let people act on their emotions. Uh, people tend to act out of fear uh, when the market's uh, in a downturn.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's funny to me too, because even as close as a couple of weeks ago, people were telling me, oh my gosh, the interest rates are so high and you know I'm not gonna buy and the media saying this and that and then i was laughing because i think it was last night yahoo news put out something about the markets rebounding and you know it looks like that prices are going to increase slightly into 2023 when probably like 2 weeks ago they were saying the world's ending so right. it's so important for us to be the economist and journalist of choice for our
1: for our clients yeah, we really do have to help combat the disinformation they're hearing because, or at least misinformation, um, because they're hearing national news and they hear something focused on one statistic. Um, and I I pointed this out to our agents uh, last week. I posted um, two different Google alerts about the real estate market in Atlanta. Um, one was saying how prices have leveled off and the other one said said they're still going up. So I was like, okay, two different publications talking about the same market have two different takes on it. So, you know, who do you believe? And the answer is you have to believe yourself and you have to trust the data. Um, and then look at the data and tell yourself, you know, this is given this information, what's the best thing for me, right? And it always goes down to motivation, like getting back to why does someone want to sell in the first place, right? What, what's their reason for selling? So we heard a, a interesting um, anecdote uh, the other day from um, Mark King, who's the president of Keller Williams. And uh, he was talking, or was it David Voorhees? One, one of the two, they were talking about we were talking about it together. Yeah. Yeah. they're And they were talking about the interest rates. So do you want to tell that story? Yeah.
0: So they had put on an event and they were, you know, talking about seller motivation and um, they were role-playing in front of us. And I think, David was the the seller, and he was saying he was thinking about selling his home because he wanted a Peloton room for his wife, but the interest rates were too expensive. And um, I think that Mark King came back and said, "Well, wh- who do you love more, the interest rate or your wife?" And it it was it just made us all giggle because truly, at the end of the day, we this man needed a, a larger home, and he knew it. And right. is that really going to prevent you from? You, everyone has a kind of their own, their lifestyle. And if it still makes financial sense, then, you know, you're not going to, if you, let's say you are, you, you have your first baby and you're in a one dr- bedroom apartment with your partner. I mean, you're going to need a two bedroom and you're going to really let interest rates prevent you
1: from having that extra space. No. <laughs> right. It's, I mean, you have to still live your life, Right. right. So I think that's the point he was making. I don't think he was suggesting that we go out there and say, do you love your wife or your interest rate more? <laughs> but but it's a pat- it was a pattern interrupt and it made us go, er, you know, like Scooby-Doo. Um, and really kind of take note of what he was saying. And, and the point was, what's your motivation? Why are you selling? And, you know, if, you, you know, if you're waiting till rates come down, What are you planning on them coming down to? At what interest rate are you going to be comfortable buying? Why? Are you focused on the interest rate or are you focused on your monthly payment? And then, or are you focused on the purchase price? Because, you know, people look at different things when they're buying homes. And uh, it's natural when interest rates have gone up to say, oh, I don't want to buy because interest rates are high. But really, it's about what they can afford every month and to, to start building equity in that new property as soon as possible. And people are
0: forgetting that there is so much equity in their homes. There it's especially compared to 15 years ago. You know, those those people from when the market crashed had really didn't have much of any type of equity. Now, there are a lot of people who are forgetting that, hey, it's kind of normal to have, you know, fifty, dollars $100,000 or more in equity, and you're putting that into a new property. And, and typically, when you start expanding your price points, and this is not for every market, but you and I know that the potential upside on equity on a $250,000 home over five years is going to probably be less than that of a $500,000 home. And, that same amount of time. You're going to have more in the more expensive house in most circumstances. So, you know, people are forgetting that there's a lot of opportunity by upgrading
1: in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it basically, to your point, puts more cash in your pocket if you're in a higher priced appreciating property than in a lower priced appreciating property because 20% of 500000 is bigger than 20% of, you know, 200000 Exactly. I mean, I just... I'm even looking,
0: you know, at the luxury market here in Atlanta and even some homes that a year ago sold for one eight, you know, they're going for over two million and they're selling at that price. So, you know, that that says
1: a lot. Yeah. So, again, I think it's bringing people back to that, you know, fact based conversation and make sure that they're looking at um, dollars and cents and what is the real. Motivation for moving and what is the real fear that they're that they're experiencing around interest rates or around the market?
0: Yeah. So Mark, you go first.
1: No, <laughs> no, go ahead. You're probably gonna ask me the question that I'm gonna
0: ask you. Okay. So with that being said, and seeing as we are seeing less inventory, what would you say to an agent who they feel like they have less listing opportunities? how could they use this as a potential advantage for their business to gain more leverage in the market?
1: Well, um, great question. And I think the what we learned from the downturn last time when during the great recession was that when the market took a turn, um, most agents stopped doing marketing, right? They stopped sending out postcards and just listed, just sold under contract they stop doing any sort of proactive marketing that cost money um, because it's the easiest thing to cut. It's not cutting staff. It's just cutting a marketing budget. Um, and people see that as a luxury. But the opportunity in that is that there are fewer people advertising and marketing to homeowners. So you as an agent in this market have an opportunity to be the one that's actually visible and talking to the, uh, the homeowner where everyone else is pulling back. I think that's the first thing.
0: Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. And plus it's, I think it's a, an opportunity too. we talk about this a lot, but just people to sharpen their skills and have different levels of conversations with their clients. I mean, the last couple of years, again, it's been so easy for people just to get a listing and a sale and they're not you know, I mean, years ago, something that I used to do pretty frequently was I used to send equity analysis reports, mm-hmm. like a stockbroker sends you a report on your brokerage account, right? And, you know, I think it's going to make the good agents and the agents who really want to build a, a large portfolio of business kind of become almost like the stockbroker of choice for their clients, because they're really going to have to lean in and study what the values are and the trends and neighborhoods versus mm-hmm. before it was just like, oh, well, the market's appreciating. Right and Now we, we really have to have an in intimate knowledge of each
1: neighborhood in ways that we didn't before, at least right. for years. The, the, the skill we had to have um, in the last two and a half years was speed. And how to write an offer that gets accepted. Um, as a listing agent, you, you also had to uh, know how to communicate with multiple offerors and make sure that your seller was analyzing all of the offers they were receiving. Um, instead of just presenting one or two offers, you were presenting 30. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know that, there's a skill to that, no doubt. And, it, and, it, and we all worked hard over the past three years, but it wasn't the same skill set right, is a different skill set. Now the skill is really understanding the market, pricing effectively. Um, One of our agents, Rob Smith, always talks about um, inspirational pricing versus aspirational pricing. Um, In the the previous market, people could price aspirationally, like what do they want to get for the house? And now we really want to price things to inspire buyers to make an offer. Um, So that's that inspirational pricing. So pricing is going to be a big Big thing in the next probably 18 to 24 months.
0: Yeah. I and I'm I'm excited for that, frankly, because I've always I've had this like weird and I feel like you're the same way. I've had this intuitive ability to kind of price homes where I just know, hey, if I put you know a nine in front of this instead of a, a one million, it's gonna get more activity. Mm-hmm. And doing being able to kind of lean into that and then show you know our sellers. That hey, this is a skill that we have, and and the facts along with it that this is what makes us, you know, really great professionals for you. Um, you know, it's exciting to go back into a market where we get to lean into that a little bit more. Um, right. and I know at least it is for me. So
1: absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's that's this is where knowing your market really comes in handy, right? If you're if you are actually a, a local expert and you understand the market activity and how much homes have appreciated in any given neighborhood over the past year, um, then you can have a more intelligent conversation about how to price that property inspirationally versus aspirationally. The the other big problem, obviously, is inventory, right? So that's what I was going to ask you about is, um, you know, how do we generate more inventory? If I'm an agent. You know, there's still a lack of inventory. Yes, there's more on the market at any given time right now than there was, but it's still not a buyer's market. We're still at, you know, 2.6 months of inventory in some markets as high as 3.2, but it's not a six month inventory, which would make it more of a level market and start looking towards being a buyer's market. So we're just in a less crazy seller's market. So where do we find inventory? Because we still have an inventory problem. For me, I think this goes
0: back to even the example I was giving of being kind of the stockbroker for your clients. And in that case, it's leading into those relationships, finding out what their vision and their goals are. Because if someone says, okay, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in a condo right now um, in Buckhead and I really want to be in Riverside in a single family home in Sandy Springs and there's nothing in Riverside then that gives me an opportunity as the agent or the agents who are listening for them to, you know, let's do a campaign. Let's door knock, Let's find that property and send out mailers and do whatever we can to create those opportunities to give them to our clients versus waiting for the market to present it to us because right. they exist. I mean, yeah, you, you did it before too on, on your condo and Buckhead.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, when I sold my unit, I just sent a letter to all the other uh, homeowners in that complex. And one of them reached out and wanted to sell their place. Uh, it took about six or seven weeks for them to finally be ready to do something where they reached out to me, but they held on to the letter. I, and because when they, they call, I said, you know, how how did you hear from, about me? And they said, well, we got this letter from you. And we've held on to it. So, you know, if people are even slightly thinking about something like that, they're going to hold on to that letter and then call you when they're ready. So, um, I think that's a a great tactic. It's, you know, the sort of golden letter concept in real estate, um, you know, say, Hey, I have buyers that are looking for this, or I just sold a home and there, it was multiple offers in your neighborhood. Um, so there are more people out there looking, are you interested in selling or you or your neighbors? um, that's definitely a good way to go. Where else, where else can we find inventory for, um, you know, buyers that are looking or where can we find more listings? Where can we find, I mean,
0: I always go back to, cause this is, this was my bread and butter and you know, what I'm going to say is for sale by owner yep. and expired. I mean, just the other day, and I'm, I'm not going to say what neighborhood this was in, But I was looking through um, this, I was looking through expireds and I noticed that there was a builder a a pretty well-known builder who owned their own personal residence in this neighborhood that I've been farming and it came off the market. And so I'm going to be calling them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just having a conversation and, you know, learning more about their business and what they're doing and hopefully establishing some kind of relationship to maybe work with them on their personal listing or maybe some other opportunities. But looking at expireds is that opportunity. For sale by owners, I mean, there's right now, we're you know, in end of January, going into February, 2023. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton of for sale by owners right now, but coming up to the summer, there's going to be. So, I mean, and a lot of agents are so scared to make those phone calls. And to mm-hmm. talk to people. Right. And I'm like, it's the easiest conversation that you could have. You just get to talk about real estate.
1: Yeah. And 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 what their goals are, right? Yeah. It's so
0: there's there's a lot of opportunities. I think that there are a lot of people who get in their head that they sometimes also are they sorry, I'm I'm t- stumbling over my words today. No worries. I'm getting in my head. That's what it is. I'm being selfish and getting into my head instead of... Stop it, being it's, selfish, it's, Case. <laughs> that's what I do. No, um, but it, it happens when you are you have any type of anxiety or something on the phone and you start to ask less questions and get to getting to know the other people at a deep level because we just assume people don't want to hear from us. And right. you and I both know after doing and being involved in this industry as long as we have most people are very nice yeah they really are like there's been so many that we have our few jerks right Mm -hmm. Um, but most of the time I have cold called and I've gotten to know people it's been a really great experience and Mm -hmm. that's the thing that I think most agents need to get out of their head that it's gonna you know what's the worst they're gonna yell at you and say no don't call me again you know that's,
1: that's really it I mean, as long as they're not on the do not call list and you're calling in a TCP compliant way. <laughs> like for how sale we work that owners in. are though, they're putting their numbers there for you to call them. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's the thing. For sale by owners are looking for people, real estate agents to call them.
0: Yeah.
1: So call them, right? Go, go look at the property, see if it works for anyone that, any buyers that you might be working with and you're going to have an opportunity to have a conversation. So it's because it's it's at the end of the day, it's still a relationship business. So- I think the other thing is, you know, people's sphere. I I feel like this is an opportunity for people to go deeper with their sphere and have more of those in-depth conversations about people's portfolio. Like I've been telling people when you're talking with someone in your sphere, just ask the question, like how many properties are in your portfolio right now, in your investment portfolio? Mm -hmm. And guess what? A lot of them, it's zero. So they're going to be like, what do you mean? I don't have an investment portfolio. That's an opportunity to have a conversation and educate them a little bit On how wealth is the number, real estate, rather is the number one way to build wealth um, in this country. It faster than any other investment out there. No other investment is uh, paid twenty something percent over the past three years. Yeah, Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a conversation that probably should have been had with everyone we know a long time ago. But I think we were just worried about. Do they want to buy their primary residence and sell their primary residence? And now the opportunity is for us to, as we educate ourselves about uh, investments and building wealth, that we have to bring others along with us and help them.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, even on one of our last episodes, we were talking about how as agents, when we're getting in the business, we're, you know, so focused on that primary residence that, Even our, we ourselves are overlooking the investment opportunities and, you know, sometimes we overlook those things because we're just wanting to present those opportunities to our clients without realizing, Hey, maybe if we actually invested and did some of these things ourselves, that makes us better investors and better examples to our
1: clients. So it's, it's shifting that mindset a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, and again, going back to a previous uh, conversation we had with one of our guests, leading yourself first. Yeah. So you can be a better leader for your clients. Because I think that's the other, um, I guess, final takeaway that I have from the market right now is it's an opportunity for leadership. Uh, we, I think we take for granted that we are leaders for our clients. Our buyers and sellers are our, our sphere of influence. They all look to us to be their local economist of choice, their local expert. And we can either accept that half-heartedly and help them when they tell us they need help, or we can do it proactively and have conversations about how real estate can benefit them and beyond their primary residence and make sure that they are making informed decisions about their own portfolio. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, and it just... It creates
0: opportunity for them. It creates opportunity for us. And it's such a win-win. It really is.
1: Yeah. And that's what we're all about. The win-win.
0: Well, that is all for today on our podcast. We hope you enjoyed our segment. Please don't forget to like and rate our podcast on your preferred podcast platform, because the more ratings we get, the more we can build a natural audience of viewers and listeners just like you. I'm Case Ellers. And I'm Mark Jones. And we're in it together.